Welcome back to the Rebuildable Podcast. I'm Matt Gentile alongside Drew Stevens. Drew, I'm now part of that club. I'm officially a married man. Congratulations to you and the, the new missus. Hope yes. Went, you know, as close to plan as, as could be for weddings. I know those things tend to slide off the rails a little bit, but hopefully yours went as smooth as it could be. It, it did. Everything was pretty smooth sailing, but like schedule-wise, everything went out off without a hitch. Um, we have like one hiccup with like it was over like drapery stuff, but like who cares? At that point, it was like, you know what? Everything looks fine. We're good. But yeah, everything went well. Everything's been pretty smooth so far. Uh, got the honeymoon coming later this week. Going to the Bahamas just for a little little uh, cruise excursion. So I'll be fun. Awesome. Be fun. Good way. Good way to break away from these bulls for for a little bit. <laughs> Yeah, just go off the grid and and not watch. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, I, I was kind of saying this offline a little bit. Like, Bulls discussion came up uh, as I was getting ready for the wedding. Um, all my groomsmen were with me, and one of my groomsmen asked, like, dude, what the hell's going on with the Bulls right now? I just wanted to know if I had any answers. I'm like, dude, I, hey, if you listen to the podcast, which I clearly you're not, jerk. <laughs> Drew and I every week are like at a loss for for what's going on and you know in the latest stretch we had you know looked at the next three games before our last episode and that was right before that that game in France with the Pistons so Bulls take care of business in France beat the Pistons right they beat the Hawks at home and they're back in Chicago and you're looking at this like hey they might be able to pull off a five game winning streak here because you had the Pacers and Hornets up next and a shorthanded Pacers team, mind you. And what do the Bulls do? They they do what they've been doing all season against these teams under 500. And they lose to the Pacers, blowing a, a big lead in that game. And then against the Hornets, blowing another lead and losing to probably, I mean, you'd argue probably one of the worst, if not the worst team in the Eastern Conference right now. So now they followed up with a win against the Magic on Saturday night. Again, that was a game, though, like they let go of the rope for a little bit there. And you're like, oh, no, they're going to do it again. They salvage it. But again, a big chance to turn a corner and just don't do it. Yeah, and I think that's that's why um, I feel like whether it happens before this trade deadline or if it comes in the offseason, there needs to be some sort of shift with this team and particularly with the big three. Mm. Something needs to change because I feel like there is – an absence of leadership or some quality of leadership that's not allowing this team to stay playing consistent basketball and, and is allowing them to continue to have this up and down roller coaster of a season. Um, I think Billy Donovan, you know, obviously can take some some heat for that as well, but um, the guys on the court, the, the big three of Vucevic and Levine and DeRozan, you know, they've had their moments. We've seen them, I think, score 20-plus points a game more times this season than they did last season. But there's just, there's just, something, just something missing with, with this team. And it's my belief that it's really only, only going to change when the people at the top or in this case, the top of the roster in terms of the head coach and, and the, the big three. And until that 
is altered to some degree, I think we're kind of going to be in this in this position. Well, you know what? Um, after that loss to the Pacers, I was watching the post game show, and Kendall Gill and, and Will Purdue were visibly pissed. Kendall Gill, to his credit, called the, called out that locker room. One for lack of leadership within that big three, and two, the formula is there. He kept saying that, and and Will Purdue said the same thing. The formula is there for how they need to win. They come with defensive intensity. They're going to win. But also, when they play through Nikola Vucevic, more times than not, they're going to win. And for some reason, they just get away from it at times, right? Like when they they stake these big leads, it's a lot of it's because the ball's moving. And I feel like the ball's always moving when Vucevic is kind of at the center of it, right? And you and I said this in a previous episode. It's not about you know dumping it to him down low and getting you know, baskets like it's 1995 with his back to the basket, right? Like, sure, there's a mix of that. When the mismatches are there, you take advantage of it. But it's just even playing through him. And whether that's him at the top of the key, at top of the three-point line, when he gets touches, good things happen. And and the formula's been there. And, you know, in that game against the Pacers and the game against the Hornets, they get away from it. And it's just... That's been the theme all season. Um, and you're right. Like, until it, whether that's Billy Donovan really just getting the message across consistently or the other two guys in the big three, and I'm not trying to always pick on, you know, DeMar and, and Zach for this, but, you know, when they get away from it, that's, I think, where the ripple effect happens. And, you know, that, that's been the story all season. So, I, I mean, look, Lonzo Ball's not walking through the door to help be the glue guy that turns it all around. It's just not going to happen. I think the reports we got now, there's probably a good chance he, they're sh- for sure officially shutting it down. So, like, I'm at a loss for it because I, I think something does have to happen. Like, and I don't know if it's going to be a shakeup with they all have a come to Jesus moment. But I mean, there's been too many times where they've tried doing that and it hasn't worked. So uh, the next thing really is our tourist car to show us and Mark Eversley have to think what, what do we have to do to shake it up within the roster? And I, it might have to be parting with one of those three guys, but you know, we were talking about this offline. It sounds like what Casey Johnson was, was saying that's not going to happen. Yeah, and I we talked about this before too, um earlier this season before this point, but just the fact that if it felt like or still feels like DeMar DeRozan could get you the, the biggest haul if you were to try to break up this big three and possibly the best chance of you know supporting Vucevic and, and Levine with better complementary players. Um ideally guys who are pretty good defensively you know hopefully they could knock down some open shots as well um in doing that you also free up Patrick Williams depending on who's coming back in the deal to possibly you know grow more into a larger role with this team and um be used possibly in different ways or just in um ways that are going to be more conducive to him developing but again, it, it, it kind of comes back to what teams would be interested in DeMar and, and what 
exactly would they be giving up? You know, there's a report today that um, the Mavericks would be willing to part ways with anybody in order to get a superstar to pair with Luka Doncic. Now, I don't know if the, the Rosen is necessarily the guy they have in mind. I'm not sure if he's quite the superstar or the player that you want to pair with um, a passer and playmaker, the level of Luka Doncic, somebody that, in my opinion, either needs like a vertical spacer or somebody that can knock down open shots. And, and DeMar is not the the three-point gunner. Like he needs the ball in his hand. So I don't know what it, what it would be. Um, they might call you about Zach. <laughs> I mean, see, I'm. St- I, I would listen. Don't don't get me wrong. I would, I would definitely listen. I just, I'm still, I still want to hold hold Zach. I, I know that might not be a popular opinion among uh, those of us who who watch this team and who have watched this team, particularly Levine, throughout his um, career with the Bulls. But and he's still so young. There's still, to me some potential there for him to get better. Um, I know that he still has a ways to go in his basketball IQ and late game situations and all that jazz. But I think because DeMar, in my mind, would give you possibly a better return, you know, given his, given that as well as his age and the fact that he's going to be coming up on the last year of his deal next season. I think if they haven't already, they need to figure out who may be interested in him and what they would be willing to give up. Well, it's interesting too. You you mentioned Patrick Williams. Um, and you look at these last seven games, I, Elias Schuster tweeted this out um, a couple of days ago. Actually, no, it was yesterday that, you know, he's been averaging about 13 points, five rebounds. He's been pretty efficient to shooting the ball. Um, he's shooting around like 41% from three in the last seven games. So like, not saying he's figured it out completely yet or that he's fully trained that corner, but you know, we have, I feel like even in turn of the calendar, I, I feel like he's been playing a lot more comfortably and consistently. And there was part of me today that was thinking like, you know, if, you did part with one of those guys in the big three, whether that's Vucevic, DeRozan. It would be nice to kind of see Patrick Williams maybe roll a little more with Zach Levine and kind of see like, hey, let, let's see what, what you got, kid. You know, see if he has the ability to get more opportunities to score the basketball. So I, it's intriguing to me, but, you know, it seems like a long shot at this point based off of everything we're hearing, but it. To me, it would also, it would be a long-term outlook to do that. And even, I think, call me crazy, I think even with this way way we're seeing the Eastern Conference shape up, you might be able to stay somewhat competitive. Like, I'm not, maybe I'm nuts, but I still think you would still be play-in competitive, which would be a win for the Reinsdorfs and maybe a win long-term if you're the Bulls. And see, I think that's that's part of the reason why I cling to Levine the way I do, because he still gives me that that belief or hope or false hope that this team doesn't take too much of a step back, mm-hmm. if any step back at all. Um, 
I don't want to. I don't want them to rebuild totally. I don't want them to blow things up and and you know have to reset the decks or reshuffle the decks as it were. Like I want them to again just try to reset a little bit. Um, you see what this vision of the roster or what this this phase of the the rebuild has already been um, has some hit, has some hits, has some misses. Had a wonderful what first half of last season before mm-hmm. things went south. Maybe you caught lightning in a, in a bottle, um, but you know I, I think there's some pieces that you can keep, and if you just support what you, what you want to keep here, if you support it in a better way, maybe you can start to move forward again and kind of get out of this rut uh, that you're in. Mm-hmm. And you know that's not to say you have to keep Levine all five years of his deal. You know, there's still always that option on the table to um, trade him away if, if you so choose. But for right now, um, I think you still want to find some pieces to bring the best out of his game and hopefully help him grow his game uh, even further. That's a really good point to make because it's not like you're totally invested for for many more years. Like. I think people like are so eager to just say, well, you know what? It's not working now. Get rid of him. He's still young. Okay. He's still in that window where he can continue to improve or, or turn a, a corner in his development. And honestly, like he's always done that. I feel like the last few years, he's always found ways to improve his game. Like that was one consistent narrative. And, this year, it's sort of been like a, well, okay, you've kind of plateaued. Like, where's that intensity we're kind of in expecting from you defensively? Even if you're not like a grade A defender, you still want to be able to to come with it every night or at least try every night. And I think that was sort of, that's been, I think, the concern from some Bulls fans lately. Like, and even on offensive end of the floor, it feels like sometimes he's forcing the issue a lot, right? Um, but to me, like, there's still, I think a lot there that you want to see if you can, you know, tap that potential if you can, right. And see, can he take this step into, you know, I don't want to say complete superstardom, but could he at least step up to like a top tier all-star that could be a really good number two, you know, and, and that's not a bad thing. Like most teams, around the league have a ton of number twos and are trying to find that elite number one, you know, mm-hmm. the, the, the top of the top superstars, like that's, that's the NBA. But if you can stockpile with, with a bunch of Robins, that's fine. Like you want to do that. And I think that's maybe the direction that AK and Mark Eversley were trying to go for, you know, getting DeMar DeRozan, having Nikola Vucevic, having Zach Levine, trying to see like, could this collection of talent, really take them up into, you know, a top team in the East, like getting into that like four, five, six range in the Eastern Conference so that you could attract that final piece. You know, maybe that was sort of the thought behind it. Or, you know, maybe Patrick Williams would develop into that. I don't know. It would be great to kind of give them the truth serum and see. But um, but to get to your original point and I know I've kind of gone down a bit of a rabbit hole but with Zach Levine I agree I think unless you get totally blown away with an offer 
I think you you keep him and you see, you know, how can we maybe improve and retool a little bit in this year and and maybe next year. And then look, after the 2024 season or in the midst of the 2024 season, we can have a different conversation. Like, you know, then then you might look to move him. And, you know, again, he is a, a younger player and somebody that you want to see, like, if you do make a move, you want to try to get the the most amount of value you can for him. And I don't know if you can actually do that right now. I don't I don't think there's teams that would blow you out of the water on a on a trade proposal for Zach Levine quite yet. I don't know if we're there. DeMar DeRozan, I do think that could happen, which is why you and I have been talking about that nonstop about making a move maybe to see if you can recoup a ton of assets with, with DeMar. Yeah, I, I've heard the propose. I saw a propose, I think, in um, a Bleacher Report article maybe a month back uh, where they proposed a, a Bulls-Raptors deal where DeMar would go back home, quote-unquote home, <laughs> uh, to Toronto. Like, you talk about a team that has a, a lot of number twos or um, really good players who are missing kind of that that go-to score or go-to player. I think that's that's um, a pretty good example of one there, but I just don't think they they would have that kind of interest in Demar. I could be wrong. I could mm-hmm. be wrong, but you just wonder what you know if you if you brought some of their role guys over here, um, like the Van Vleets of the world, the Chris Boucher's, and um, you kind of put them on the Bulls roster minus DeMar, and, and you saw how they kind of operated with, with Zach. You wonder how that would look, but mm-hmm. um, some interesting times coming up. It's going to be uh, a lot of eyes on, on the front office. I agreed, and I, I think there's a lot of eyes around the league that are, are looking at the Bulls, and you know we've heard all these different trade rumors. I definitely want to get into some of them. Um, we've heard things like you know, Alex Caruso, you know, his name's been popping up a lot. We've Kobe White's name's been popping up. Um, you know, we had, I think, Io DeSumo's name popping up. Um, I, Vucevic's name kind of as a, if you're going to, I think you, you mentioned to me, Casey Johnson saying, if there is one of the big three, maybe keep an eye on Vucevic, you know, but he's saying it's rare, but I mean, even him saying that is something to, keep an eye on because you never know um but I, I let's let's start with this let's start with the caruso trade rumors because this the whole discourse around alex caruso to me is fascinating okay um because alex caruso i mean i i love the guy because that guy brings it every night on both ends of the floor okay non-stop energy and he does everything Billy Donovan asks him to do, right? Like think about last year, Alex Cruz at one point, I think was playing the four. Okay. Like out of necessity and was able to hold his own against, you know, much bigger players. And that's, you just got to love what he brings every night. And he he's doing it this year. And that's like the, the only guy, if, if we had to say that there was probably a leader on this team, that's probably him. Okay. Like I wouldn't question him at all. 
Um, so what I find fascinating though, is some of the rumors about these teams trying to compete almost to put in offers to the bulls. And I I've been seeing like, there's been speculation about him being able to be get for like two first round picks. And when I saw that, my, my eyes kind of, you know, got wider and my ears perked up two first round picks. I, that, that can't be right. And I love Alex Russo, but really two first round picks. I mean, I, I think if, if the teams we've seen mentioned, I think the most, or at least most recently um, are the Knicks and the Warriors. I think if you're the Warriors, because you're still trying to keep open that championship window in my mind, it, it, it kind of helps explain why you would give up that draft capital to first round picks to go get a guy who could possibly um, jump you back into that conversation about going back to back. Um, you know, they gave up or lost Gary Payton the second um, and Alex Caruso would more than fill those shoes if they were able to find a, a way to make a deal with the Bulls. Um, we talked about this off offline as well. I, I wish I knew, like, whatever move they make, it almost feels like there's going to have to be something right behind it. If mm-hmm. they make a move that significant where they're, they're parting ways with Alex Caruso, who arguably means just as much, not even arguably, he definitely means just as much to that team's defense as the big three means to that team's offense. So, you know, if you do trade him, what does that say about where the Bulls are going, what direction they're headed in? Yeah, because I think you're right. It, it would have to be like, especially with role players being moved, it would have to be like a, a role player roulette. Like you'd have to be making a ton of supplementary moves, right? And, and you know, like with Caruso, is it first round draft capital or, you know, is it if it's not two, like if it's a pick, I mean, that's still big. I, I think I would do that. But is there also players coming back in return uh, or a player coming back in return, you know, just to match salary? Um, and, you know, that that would make it really interesting because, um, you know, I, I haven't really seen that. You were mentioning that there's there's trade rumor um, for the Warriors. I think you said you heard it at CHGO mentioned uh i believe so i believe so sometimes these podcasts and um articles kind of run together but i believe it was that and i believe it was uh the player involved was james wiseman potentially the rumor i'm not really a, a fan of that trade <laughs> as we talked I, about <laughs> i mean i you know like hmm you know i i was i was okay with uh with picking James Wiseman in, in that in that draft uh, in 2020, I, I won't lie, um, but you know, just given uh, he's kind of like a, you know, like, if you think about like development arc, you don't want to see a guy get hurt that early in his career and, and miss a full season. Plus, I mean, kind of has an older game, if you will. So, I mean. I don't know. I guess I'm 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 biased against the the old school big man, but yeah, I don't know if that does it for me. I mean, I guess though you're getting a younger prospect, so maybe. 
Maybe that's are, an upside. Yeah, I mean, you you are getting a younger prospect, but he's just there's there's one too many question marks, I think, uh, to feel comfortable trading somebody who has no question marks outside of maybe how healthy he can stay the whole season in Alex Caruso, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and again, you know, there, there would be a domino effect, I think, that would come from a trade like that where you see Alex leave in a trade and then some of the other parts of that core moved as well. It's almost like how, how could they not um, keep kind of knocking down pillars of the core if you were to trade Caruso? Hmm. I mean, if you if you had to pick somebody off the Knicks roster, anybody intrigue you? Uh, Quentin Grimes, but I don't. <laughs> okay, realistically, intrigue. <laughs> um, for Alex Caruso. Mm-hmm. If it was yeah. Alex Caruso, you're partnered with. Well, Jericho Sims is interesting. Emmanuel quickly is interesting. Um, but again, I, I don't think I don't know that the Knicks would be willing to part ways with Jericho Sims. Mm. Um, I don't know, man. What I, about I Obi Toppin's name mentioned, but I'm not What about Cam Reddish? It would depend on what else they had in store. Um, another young guy, another super athletic guy who, in theory, is a shooter, but we haven't seen him enough. I don't think there's a, a large enough sample size, um, specifically of late, to know exactly what he is as a basketball player. Um, and that would just be another move where I have to see, okay, well, this, this is this one move. What else are we going to do now? Um because, like I said, this team, depending on where you want to steer this thing, it still needs shooting. It um, does. And, again, I just don't know. We, he, He's a capable shooter. I just need to know. I need to know, like. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I, I get you. Because, like, you're, you're 100% right. Like, there's so many of these ripple effects. So, here, I'll, I'll go to another name because I think. I could see both these guys maybe getting dealt. And then the other, the other one's Kobe White, right? So the Kobe White trade discussions are, are starting to center around, and this came from an Action Network report on Sunday, um, was Kobe White for Jay Crowder. Now, there'd be other pieces that you'd have to have in that trade to make it work, but that would be the, the center of that trade. And now this goes to that other point of, okay, well, if you get rid of Kobe White, what happens to your point guard depth, right? Because now it's Io and Goran Dragic. You know, and Kobe's been giving you a lot lately. So you're adding a wing, and I think a, a pretty decent piece in Jay Crowder, I think, to your your roster, but you're losing that, that point guard depth. Yeah, and... and... Man, it's so crazy that we're having this this discussion or this much angst about losing Kobe White. Mm-hmm. Where you know, in the last season, it was almost like, man, you, you couldn't pay Bulls fans to get him out of here quick enough, you know? Yeah. 
But you, to your point, though, you, you're right. Like, he's – I think I tweeted this. You know, he's at, – at worst, he's playing just as well as Aldo Sumu and, and Goran Dragic. And not to mention Goran Dragic is somebody whose time, whose playing time he wanted to try to limit as much as possible so that he could be fresh for um, a playoff run or, or – <laughs> or play in tournament run as it were. But um, yeah, man, with this news about, about Lonzo ball and just, and just knowing how different each player is and the fact that neither of them, none of them can approximate what Lonzo ball does. It kind of goes to, okay, what do we need with this group that are going to be playing with these groups of starters? We need shooting, you know, we need guys who, um, Mm -hmm who have good defensive awareness and know when to rotate and, and, you know, uh, can get the ball in and out of the hands quickly. So it's, it's, it's the thing with this team and nothing, nothing is a quick fix. Nothing is, there's always something like, yeah, there's almost a, you, you clear, you, you plug one hole and another one appears. Well, and that's the thing, like you, if you're trading, let's say Caruso and White are the two guys that get dealt, right? And and Caruso nets you first round draft capital and another player. If you're shipping Kobe White out, let's say it is Jay Crowder. Um, well, I'd have to hope with that Phoenix trade, I'm getting some type of point guard back in it. I'm not sure how salaries would match would match up. I know we talked about like, I think there was a trade rumor that. Uh, involve one of the big three and it would include though you know Cameron Payne coming back like that'd be interesting but I don't know how the salaries work if that would work in this deal but let's say it's it is Jay Crowder and like I don't know some other throwaway piece then you have to hope that with Caruso maybe you net as part of that package some type of point guard in that deal because again like a just to kind of make sense of the roster you're putting together, the role players you're putting together, you know, like Jay Crowder, you get some, I mean, not like top of the line shooting, but you're getting some good shooting. Right. So maybe that would make sense. See, even that he, I think he, he's hit some shots. And uh, I think because maybe they come in the playoffs, uh, there's this notion that he's a, a better shooter than what the numbers actually say. Um, but again, he's on an expiring deal. Um, he's not necessarily the the knockdown three-point shooter. Um, he hasn't played basketball all year. <laughs> um, you know, I, does that outweigh the toughness, the veteran savvy that he would bring to this team? In my eyes, it, it wouldn't be worth it. Well, and it's nuts because you always forget, like, Jay Crowder's 32, right? So he's not a spring chicken. So, like, if you bring him on here just to help you in the short term this year, if you look, though, like, in his career, what is he shooting? About 35% from three, 34.6%. So you're right. Like, when you think of him in, in those playoff games, it does seem like he's, He's hitting three pointers at a at a really high clip, but I don't know. I I'd be intrigued, but I have to see like if if you know it's Jay Crowder and a piece for Kobe White or like I actually so Jay Crowder's salary is 
I gotta look this up. I think it's ten million. Ten million. Okay, so if he's making ten million, then so the Bulls are gonna be at the be on the uneven side. So they're gonna have to give something up in addition to Kobe White. Let's chew on that for a minute. Like <laughs> who who do you ship out with Kobe White? That like that. I, I don't know. Tony Bradley, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, maybe just to just to balance salary. I mean, yeah, maybe that's it. Just to kind of to make that work, but you know, you you are right. Like you start getting into then like a whole bunch of gymnastics, and like that's that's the thing. You're when you're shipping role players out, and you're keeping the big three. You're saying you want to stay competitive. So if you're not shipping out one of the the big three then you better be loading up the roster with role players that make sense. So I could see Jay Crowder making sense, but again, to your point, point guard shooting. So where's that going to come from? You know, like it's fascinating. Like um, the other kind of going into big three trade talk. And we said Casey Johnson did say, you know, don't expect any of the big three to get traded. If there is somebody to maybe keep an eye on from that group, it might might be Nikola Vucevic, but he still doubts it. Um, the, the Nikola Vucevic thing is interesting to me because we all know he's an expiring contract. And it's hard because you gave up a lot to get Nikola Vucevic, right? So... In essence, you letting him walk for nothing is really painful because you gave up two draft picks and you also are basically saying like, hey, guess what? It, it just didn't work. And so you're, you're really, it really hurts when you just kind of let him walk for nothing now. Um, so kind of is interesting because you have kind of that hanging over your shoulder. Then you have this other notion hanging over your shoulder. Well, do you double down and do what, what Mark Kay is saying from CHGO bowls about extending him? And that's a, that's a tough decision. Like if I were, if I were Acme right now, I think I would lean towards trying to see, can I get a little something on the trade market for him versus maybe paying him to stick around? I mean, I don't know. Where do you fall on that? If you had a, if you had a pick one option for Nikola Vucevic, are you leaning towards recouping assets and trading him or committing cap space to him next year and for the foreseeable future? Wow. Man, they earn their money, don't they? Yep. <laughs> they do. <laughs> they do. And hey, they get plenty of swings at it. Like this is why, like, a lot of GMs and executives, they they fail at their first attempts to rebuild or build a championship contender. Like they go through multiple iterations of it before they're let go. And, and here in Chicago, if, if you're part of a Reinsdorf team, man, you could get like twenty years worth of chances. So, you know. I mean, this, this that's how it works in the NBA and how it works in sports. But 
Yeah, if it were you, though, if you were Acme, what would you be doing with Vucevic? Wow, man. Um, I think as of today, I'm leaning toward trying to bring him back, trying to work some sort of deal out. Okay. Because if you, you know, in a, even for as well as he's playing, I don't know what his trade value would be and, and what you'll be able to get in return for him right now. Uh, you know, obviously he bought a home, I believe, this summer in the city. I, I think he likes the city. Yeah. I think he wants to be a bull. So maybe there's some leverage there for the bulls to work with. Um, in case there was a thought in the back of their minds that he might, you know, go elsewhere or, or seek to go somewhere else this, this off season. I wonder too, how he feels about the roster construction and how he's used and how he isn't giving the ball <laughs> as, well, as, much as, would, as much as he would like. You know, if you but remember, how much is that going to change in another place? I, it's, it's, man. You know, you, you mentioned that and it kind of made me think of before DeRozan came back from his injury, he kind of alluded to that. In a, in post game, you know, like, hey, you know, it's nice. I'm kind of, you know, I, I feel like I'm I'm in a rhythm. I feel like I'm in the flow of everything, you know. And it's not like I don't think they hate each other. Like, I think sometimes like people get the the notion when you bring this up, like, oh, well, are you trying to insinuate that they're that it's toxic? I don't know if it's toxic. I just think that once. The lights are on. The ball is tipped. They just kind of revert back to the the roles they're used to. I think that's what happens. Now, I would say that to me could be an issue of maybe them tuning out things their coaches are telling them. And also, um, it's just that that thing of like, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. You know what I mean? Like, DeMar DeRozan is going to be at his best with the ball in his hand. Zach Levine feels he's going to be the best with the ball in his hand. Nikola Vucevic feels that the offense flows nicely when the ball's in his hand. So something's got to give. Somebody has to kind of adjust their role. Um, and, you know, to point we are bringing up earlier, the formula that's worked this year has been when the ball goes through number nine's hands in some way. If it's consistently flowing through him, Things go well. They win games. Um, so to me, it would say like it might have to change elsewhere. Um, and yeah, you're, it, I would love to know what, what Nikola Vucevic thinks to your point. Like, does he actually like what he sees going on? Again, he might not hate anybody on this roster. He might really like it, but he might think like, hey, I got, you know, I might only have like four or four five seasons left in me. Do I want to spend it here with this core or do I want to see if I can maybe have one more spin where I'm very productive and, and could get, you know, a championship or be on a consistent playoff team for the first time in my career. I, I would think that's something probably in the back of his mind. Yeah. And see, but see that, that takes me back to 
you would think that would be on. I, I know you didn't. You weren't saying it in this context, but you know, we've heard Zach Levine talk a lot about wanting to be on a winning team and, and play deep into the season. Um, we know Demar's only made it so far. We know Vucevic has only made it so far. That was part of, to me, kind of the cool thing about those three being on the same team with each other, at least in theory, the fact that we had three guys who haven't gotten to the level that they want to they want to be able to lead a team to, and maybe that would kind of galvanize them to um, to use their talents the best way they could to help each other kind of break through. Um, with Vucevic, though, I wonder if 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 there's not going to be a, a blow up situation, which by all accounts there isn't going to be one. Does it come down to Demar versus Nikola? Hmm. Are you having? Is is it going to be one or the other? Yeah, like I, you know, I'll be honest. That discussion would probably happen if this situation really got toxic and out of hand. And I think that's the thing. That's what's been really frustrating about the season. There hasn't been a breaking point yet in either direction, right? We haven't turned the corner to the point where you see this team getting better in the Eastern conference and becoming, you know, a, a playoff team. And you haven't seen it go in the other direction where things have gotten so bad that they're losing a ton of games consistently, like going on long losing streaks and the locker room starting to get a little more toxic and unsettling, you know, and I, I guess it kind of makes it hard because the decision might, might get made for you. Like, okay, we, we have to, do something about this big three situation, have that discussion about whether or not it's, it's Damar or Vucevic, you know, it hasn't gotten to that point because I think they're doing just enough to make Acme think they can rectify this season, even a little bit, even just to be a play in team. I think they're kind of set on doing that. That's, that's a, a great point. Cause I think it also, it puts Acme in a situation where they have an out, no matter what direction they, they choose. Bingo. To go in, they can. There's some. There's there be some reasonable excuses as to why they've done or what they end up doing. You know, um, if they wanted to break up the big three, clearly there's reasons why they would do that. Mm-hmm. If they wanted to keep the big three together, I think despite. Um, the fact that they haven't met expectations as as a three man unit, there'd be reason to see. Okay, I can see why maybe they want to keep those three guys together, um, particularly with the reason why you were saying about um, you know not wanting to let Vucevic walk and basically kind of concede that mm-hmm. that trade that you made for him just did not pan out at all how they how they thought it would. So, again. Well, and, and you know what? It kind of goes back to our point about why the idea of moving DeMar DeRozan actually becomes pretty enticing is if you do that, you recoup assets 
and even gives you an excuse to extend a guy like Nikola Vucevic because he's going to get more touches, more usage. And, you know, he's even proven now, like he's kind of earning a little more, I think, uh, you know, praise from Bulls fans who were, who were a little sour on him, right? At the end of last year and earlier this year. So I think it, that's why it makes perfect sense. Like you could recoup a lot. You get back maybe some valuable players for your, your roster. You can get draft capital potentially. And it gives you an opportunity then to kind of let this ride with what you got and see, you know what, if Vucevic plays really well, I mean, at at the center spot in the NBA, I can't do worse than Vucevic. You know, they're, like that's a pretty solid piece to have on your roster. Um, so, you know, and as, you know, we're probably looking at roughly $20 million a year now with Vooch. I think earlier this offseason, you and I were talking um, like, oh, hey, it'd be great if you can get him at 15, right? Well, it's probably going to be pretty difficult and, you know, paying a guy 20 million a year who's, you know, kind of on the downside of his career is, is tough. But in today's NBA, if you're playing at the rate that Vucevic is right now, I mean, that's the going salary probably. So, um, but yeah, it, it is interesting because if they wanted to, they could make it a little easier on themselves. They can show, you know, the fan base, Hey, look, we still believe in Nikola Vucevic. We think that move we made was still the right move at the time. And we understand, like, as much as we love DeMar DeRozan, we know we also have to look at the long-term health of this team. And in order to do that, we have to, you know, seek that opportunity to recoup draft capital, get, you know, other players into the fold that that we think could help. So, I don't know. To me, to me the answer is right in front of them, but it sounds like they are not interested at all in, in parting with them. Yeah. But then the, these reports um, that we hear and, and things that we see come out every day about, you know, who's talking to who and what deals are rumored. You don't really hear a lot about the bulls and these other things that come out about the bulls, you know, one and two first round picks for Caruso or not being interested in, and dealing the big three. I also wonder how much of this is kind of smoke and mirrors. Um, you never know with, 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 uh, with Agni, they, they, as we know, they play things very close to the vest. So it's, it's, you know, from afar, it's, I think, fool's gold or it is just foolish in general to kind of take what you hear and see and run with it as in regards to them. Um, but then again, you know, maybe they do, for the most part, stand pat at the trade deadline, and maybe it's in the summertime where we see see some things happen. Um, but again, you know, is DeMar going to be looking for an extension this summer? Uh, is Vucevic going to gonna walk? You know, do they offer Kobe White a – or do they see, you know, what's going to happen with Kobe White in terms of maybe offering them – um, the opportunity to go out and get an offer sheet and bring it back and and see what mm-hmm. teams are are saying about his value. You know, it's um, you know, I wish this season had had panned out differently, but the off the court stuff is mm-hmm. 
kind of taking the place of the on court. Well, and I feel like this next week is going to be really interesting because you know the deadline is, you know, next Thursday, which is crazy to think about, right on on the ninth. Um, and we'll have another episode before that. We'll probably get into some stuff. Who knows? Maybe by the time we record that, you know, something might have already happened. So it'll definitely be fascinating. Um, I do want to wrap up here with our, our usual discourse. That's the word of the night, by the way, discourse. Um, <laughs> but we we always like to uh, try to predict some of the, the upcoming schedules. So um, before we reconvene um, next week, we have one, two, three, four, five games to look at. Um, there's tomorrow's tilt against the Clippers at home. A rematch against the Hornets at home on Thursday, which again, like, still pisses me off how they could drop that game in Charlotte. <laughs> um, hosting the Portland Trailblazers, um, which kind of interesting because you know that there's that draft pick with the Trailblazers if if the Blazers get into the playoffs, um, and then hosting the Spurs on. Monday. So four straight games at home. And then on Tuesday night, they head over to Memphis to take on the Grizzlies. So in that five game stretch, Drew, what do you what are you thinking? Four games at home, one on the road. I'm going two and three. Basically lost win, lost win, loss. Did I say that right? Yeah. So two wins, three losses. Kind of ultimately. Win- and of course, well, wait. I, see, I thought one of those wins would happen against the Grizzlies, right? Because that's <laughs> that's the Bulls' mo. It is, but I, you know, can't beat all the best teams. You True, know? And, and the mo is beating upper echelon Eastern Conference teams, not upper echelon Western Conference teams. So, hmm. good point. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm. You know, I'm not gonna lie to you. At first blush, three and two came in my head, which was kind of a surprise. Um, I feel like we're in for. So I think we're gonna get. I have a feeling tomorrow is gonna be a win. Home against the Clippers. I I just I have this this feeling that this is the kind of game they get up for especially with this nice like little break here. The Hornets game, I think they win. I think there's that revenge factor. But then I think they're going to drop it. This game against the Blazers. And I'll say they lose to the Grizzlies. But that Spurs game could be a trap game. If they drop it to the Spurs, they'll beat the Grizzlies. I That... I think somewhere like along there, if they do lose to the Spurs, they'll beat the Grizzlies the next night okay. because that that is the Bulls for you in a nutshell. Now, this is pending. Things are still the same because <laughs> trades will change that. And Ooh. the other thing, too, if, if a trade happens and it's like on a game day, then if your roster is depleted, like, all yeah. right, that's that's not fair. So let's I'll put that caveat in there for mine and for yours, too. For sure. Barring that the roster is still relatively the same. That's I'm I'm thinking three and two. I think this is one of those stretches where they're gonna give us a taste of it. 
and then probably follow it up with a lot of blech. But <laughs> yeah, see, in uh, Kawhi Leonard and, and Paul George sat out the Clippers game on Sunday. They're off tonight. They're not on the injury report going into tomorrow night's game. So I expect both of those guys to play. So that's part of the reason why I just I think they're going to start this next string of five games off with a loss. So, and that's what I'm thinking though. Like if Kawhi and, and Paul George are playing, I think that's when Zach DeMar and Nikola Vucevic <laughs> and the whole roster get up I got and, you. and you just wait it's a good point. And, and we'll be, and we'll be thinking, you know, it'll be right before I'm heading out on on my cruise and I probably won't be able to see any of these things going on because there's barely any Wi-Fi. <laughs> I'll be thinking, oh well, hey, they might be turning a corner. They might be turning a corner. No, no, no. For masochists. Right. We're not gonna do that anymore. We, yeah. we gotta see like a solid ass 10 game stretch from this team before we even get any notion that they're rounding any corners. Okay. I hear let let's have a rule. I like this. I say that we we put a rule in place. We're going to ban the term turning a corner <laughs> until the Bulls win four straight games. I like it. Because they have not been able to win four straight. Okay? Like I mean, think about this. They literally they literally teased getting to four straight wins this whole month. Like go back, like you when they beat the the Warriors, right? And and you you win three straight, and you have two layups in front of you, and they blew both of them. And then if you go back, I mean, they had an opportunity to win they, their fourth straight game after a four game road trip. Yes. And they dropped that game to the Rockets, one thirty three to one eighteen. Thank you. I, I had to go back. So go, yes, if you go back to December, I was trying to pull it up. The, and then even right after that, they had a chance, right? Yep. Bucks, Pistons, and then they dropped two straight to the Cavs. Well, that one. Oh yes, you're right. Yep, you're and, right. And and that that was coming off the heels of the Rockets game. <laughs> so they literally have been flirting with this, and it's just like. It's like in their grasp, yes. and they just release it. Well, and it's crazy because if you really, if you go back to the win against the Heat, right? We talk about that that Timberwolves game, okay? Being like a, a pseudo turning point. That's where the Bulls have really, if you just started from that point, you look at this Bulls team and be like, okay, well, they're, they're hovering around the, you know, like they, I, I got to go back and actually look at what their record is from that point on. Because from the Minnesota you, game, from the Minnesota game, uh, who would that be? So they were 11, 18. What's that? 12 and six? That's 12 and right. six. Yeah, that, that's about right. Because I think the last time we talked, we said if you look back, they would have been eight and four coming out of that. So yeah, that. 12 and 8, I'm sorry. 12, 12 and, eight. and 8. But still, winning record. I mean, not four games over 500 at that point. But it, 
but it's maddening because if you really look at the way that the schedule set up, they, they could have even fattened up more they could have. after that game. They could have. But again, this is a story we and I've been saying it all year. This is the story of a team that's going to hover around the five hundred mark. And you know, we'll see. I mean, they might be under five hundred, but um th- this is what you get out of these kind of mediocre teams for sure. So even these games coming up are winnable. I mean, mm-hmm. outside of maybe the, the game against the Grizzlies, even the Clippers, like Clippers have been a little Jekyll and Hyde-ish as well. So Yeah. So it'll it'll be interesting to see. Um but uh real quick before we go, prediction. Do you think a move happens before our next episode, before the trade deadline? Do you think that that at least one move will go down? Last deadline, they didn't make any moves. One before that, they made a move on deadline day, if I'm not mistaken. So I'm going to say yeah. no. I'm going to say no. no. Okay. Yeah, they're right. It was a whole flurry of moves on that deadline day uh, in 2021. So I guess if they're going to if they're going to do it, you know, if if they've developed a pattern, they operate in silence, and it's probably going to happen right at right at the buzzer. So. Um, yeah, I'll make a prediction. I'll say, hmm, I'll I'll say that they, I think a move could be made, possibly the day before. So it could be you know when we're recording, even like that day. I could see it kind of happening because it seems like that there could be a lot of activity in the NBA at this deadline. So with that in mind, you start to see kind of like a some moves happen during the course of that week. So if, if that does happen, because usually there's like, you know, moves within moves, like we were talking about that ripple effect. And I think if you have a flurry of activity around the league, the deadline can kind of those days leading into it, you can have a lot of activity. And I, I think the bulls could be one of those teams that has some pieces that other teams are looking for. So um, I'll, I'll predict it. I'll make the prediction that something does happen before. Um, so, as you know, Bulls Nation, we are available on Twitter. It is uh, one of the most controversial uh, social media platforms out there, but hey, yeah. it's great for NBA chatter and discourse. <laughs> I just wanted to use that term again. <laughs> uh, and and you can follow us. You can follow me at mgenteel88. Follow Drew at look what Drew did. You follow the Rebuildable Podcast at rebuild underscore a underscore bull. And that's where we drop our latest episodes, uh, as well as uh, retweeting some different thoughts from, from us and, and from around Bulls Twitter. Um, you can also, though, find episodes of our podcast, past, present, not the future, though. That would be weird. Um, <laughs> on all your major streaming platforms. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, um, anywhere where you get your podcasts, you can find the Rebuildable Podcast. So if you want to listen, great. But I'd also subscribe because if you subscribe, it always comes into your feed and that's nice. So Makes life easier. Yeah, exactly. We're all about making life easier. That's why we make these suggestions. It's not to be pushy or salesy. You know, nothing like that. <laughs> nothing like that. We're here to help you. Drew and I are here to help you. We're helping you get through this bowl season. We're helping make your life easier. 
Just remember that. Help us help you. Exactly, Drew. You got it. (laughs) So with Drew Stevens, I'm Matt Gentile, and we'll catch you soon, Bulls Nation. Thank you for listening to the Rebuildable Podcast. Be sure to check us out and subscribe on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever else you stream your podcasts.